I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. It's time for the Life Writing Podcast with your hosts, authors and screenwriters Stephen Barnes and Tanana Reeve Du. All about creating the project of your dreams while living a balanced artist's life. Be the hero or heroine of your own story. Sponsored by LifeWritingPremium.com. Get ready to write for your life. Welcome to the Life Writing Podcast, where married authors and screenwriters Stephen Barnes and Tananari do talk about writing during stressful times, breaking into Hollywood, and balancing life. Every week, we'll share more tips on how to build a better life while you create your dream projects. Even if it's only at the rate of one sentence a day, life writing is the application of the tools of writing to life and the tools of life to your writing. Yay! We're here. We're here. We have dragged our tired carcasses (laughs) to the microphone To be with you yet again, another live podcast. How exciting. I mean, it's recorded for you, but what I mean is sometimes we'll run what we call best of life writing because we've had so many great interviews. I'm not going to pat us on the head. I'm not going to say we've had so many great solo episodes, although we kind of have, but we've had so many great interviews. So I think that, you know, I think that that certainly factors in. It's certainly important, but a big reason that we do it is that we're busy. Oh my gosh. You know, we're busy. And so luckily we don't have to feel guilty or miss a broadcast. We can do a best of because we've been so careful to try to get really wonderful people on the show. But the fact is that we're in the meat of a a career boom. Mm, And we really, really, (laughs) you're hungry. hungry Right now we're doing this late at night because, well, not late, (laughs) but it's dinner time. We're doing this because of our scheduling, because of what's been going on. So what has been going on? We are, and and don't use the uh, the WR phrase, darling, but we've been in a think tank ah! for six weeks. Oh, I think we can't do that for, you know. That's what we were told to call it. That's what we were told it is. It's a yeah, thing. I know, but I will always think of it as a writer's room. I just it is we le- this legally you been, can't call it that on on contracts and, and things like that. This people, I you know, we've talked about it 
in that, I think that one other live podcast we did <laughs> in the past six weeks, or maybe we did a couple, but what an experience. I'm a little melancholy actually today because it was our last really full day in the room and tomorrow we're just going to go see Scream. So that's well, not it's our there. last day in the room. We ain't going back to the room. Right. You know, no, no. Yeah. We're just, room. no, we're not going back to that room. It was an Airbnb. It was actually like a four bedroom house right near Hollywood. Very comfortable. We met in a big sort of dining room every day. I'm already feeling this stuff. We like we just left a few hours ago, and I'm already filled with nostalgia. Oh, curious I totally understand where you're coming from on that, and I'm not feeling that right now. Maybe I'll be feeling that in a little while. You know, it could be that I've just sort of encapsulated it, and and we'll process it later. Yeah, but I think that part of it is just. You know, we're reacting to it differently. I, it was peak experience. It was was really wonderful. And I was trying very, very hard to get the most out of every minute that I was there because I knew that this was short term and it was going to end. So I've been saying goodbye to the room since the first day I walked in. Oh, well, that's, that's true. I mean, I really feel like, especially as some of the more inexperienced writers in the room, we it was there was a novelty to the experience that was not shared by everyone else so while they were having a great time and while they were giving brilliant ideas and we all got along very well there's a sort of a professionalism and lack of sentimentality you know that i think is is with a lot of them well it's almost as if it you were going into a writer's because i i would i would argue with you that we're not less experienced as writers we're less television writers we're less experienced in a very specific approach to television writing. That's fair. Um, you know, That's fair. It's almost like take like doing a writing workshop in another language. You speak some of the language, but there are a lot of words and terms and phrases and processes and strategies and tactics that I was not familiar with. And it was like, what did he mean by that? Where are they going with this? What are they doing right now? It, it was difficult for me to even translate some of the things I know about characterization and plot in there, because it was the weaving together of a dozen different threads. I mean, it was the epitome of the plotter technique. In other words, pantsing, you know, to write without any sense of an outline mm-hmm. is, is diametrically opposed to what was happening in that room. Whatever, yeah. whatever that is, when if you just sit down and write, what was going on in that room was the absolute opposite of that. Oh, boy, was it. Yeah. And, and I think <laughs> that in that sense, you know, the ideal situation is to be able to break things down that minutely, but to write in a white heat of just, of just passion. I suppose the luckiest writers in the world are the ones who can sit, simply sit down and write and have no idea how they're doing what they're doing. It just flows out of them and they're just, you know, they're just having fun. Just that is, like- that's not very common. I think it's mostly apocryphal. Although there are, there are a few people who can do that. A small percentage of people can do that. Most people, it's a combination of structure and flow. Well, for me, it was just magical. Absolutely magical. I love the way you laugh when I do the sound effects. All right. I don't want to overdo them because I don't want you to to stop laughing with surprise every time you hear one. But not surprise, it's amusement. Delight. Delight. Yes. Delight. You delight. Delight. Yay, delight. So like I think we we might have mentioned in a in a previous live podcast, the most extraordinary thing for me to witness was the way an entire room of very, very high level and smart storytellers can swim in the same direction and do so peacefully. And then if the showrunner says, eh, I don't like that direction, then bam, they're all swimming in another direction. Like It's like a herd of gazelle across the prairie. It's just like you have to, or a flock of birds. Like they all seem to just know when you're supposed to turn left or right. And that's one of the toughest things to learn as a newcomer in a space like this is how to integrate with the mastermind. You're not in charge. It's not your story. You are in service to the mastermind, which is in service to the showrunner. 
Yes. And the showrunner is in service to the money people. Yeah, we're actually paying for all of this. So he needs to not only be able, he or she needs to not only be able to communicate to the writers and keep a group of people on track, but also be able to understand how they would be able to produce this, you know, and then to be able to to comfort the money people that their money is being spent well to go all the way from the child part, which is that pure creative part to the adult part which is the purely financial part in that particular right. sense and meet, you know, sort of the, an adolescent part. And I think that the absent human resources concerns, it was an awful lot of adolescent joking going on in that room. And, and there would have been fun. a lot more. It was know. fun. We got, we got, we mostly kept it in, in line, you know, and, and we were told that this room was moving very, very fast that, you know, we broke the number of episodes we had in six weeks, whereas some rooms would have only broken one episode in six weeks. So did you hear that? Yeah, I heard that. I heard yeah, you say that. And it's, yeah. I would assume that that's a nightmare scenario. Where <laughs> oh, the people yeah. in the room cannot agree on anything and the notes keep coming back from the studio, savaging everything they're doing. Right. It's clearly this- taking six weeks to break one episode. You know, if you have a, 10 episodes, you know, a 10 episode season, you know, or an eight episode season, that's a year. It's ridiculous. I mean, one season. That's why traditional writers' rooms are are, are longer, you know, 13 weeks, 20 weeks. I I think that there are also, those are also traditional seasons of more than 10 episodes. So I would guess that it doesn't ordinarily take more than, you know, two weeks to break one story. You right. Know, so we were like zipping that. and ripping. We were zipping yeah. and ripping the whole time and it felt very natural. And I attribute that to very good leadership. Yes. Extraordinary leadership. Brian is not only brilliant, but a natural leader. I mean, we all we all trust him. We yeah. listen to his ideas and his perspectives and the way he massages the ideas in the room. And what you're seeing there is an adult you know, in that sense, a really mature, creative mind. And he is exceptional. He invited us in also to play with, he invited us in to play with his team, people he's worked with since Hannibal. Right. Pushing daisies. That's right. American American gods. gods. We were playing with his most trusted lieutenants. And that, too, was a great lesson, you know, because, Steve, you asked yesterday when we kind of got the feeling that things were wrapping up, what is the key to a successful writer's room? And no, he did not say it was us, unfortunately, but he did say it was that having his pillars, those those three lieutenants with him in the room that he 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 knows they think alike, they understand storytelling, they understand the kind of storytelling we were doing. And that is a big part of the way he was able to hit the ground running so that those of us who were less experienced in a room could could blend in and 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 enhance what they were doing without without tripping them up. Yeah, I mean, it's like they came up with paragraphs. You know, if you were looking at a novel, if, if the entire season is one novel, then each chapter would be a script. So they were going to be writing scripts because Brian can't do them all himself, but they were coming up with entire sequences, paragraphs. We were were lucky at the very beginning to be coming up with individual words, sometimes letters. (laughs) Right, right. I was like, we started learning how to put them together into sequences of words, sentences, you know, paragraphs. And and it's if you go up that food chain as you start understanding more and more about what is being asked for yes and you know i I, right through to the last day i'm still in confusion i mean there are times when i could do more things it was easier for me to see what needed to be done but i never had anything remotely like the clarity of those three and there was you know tommy tommy came up with some large ideas that, that that landed and worked very very well well, very experienced pitcher, you know. He yeah, did three I mean, this seasons, is his third writer's room, right? Three oh, seasons of Reservation Dogs, and he's also right. been on another show, so he's not right. a newcomer. 
Right. He's just not in that core group. He was brought in as we were brought in and as another woman was brought in as newcomers to the Fullerverse. Well, he arguably, I suppose he's been in five writers room. Yeah, maybe so. On three different shows. Right. You know, that's that level of experience. You know, it helped me to kind of not despair, but also in taking a look and asking, well, how much work is this? How much energy is this? You know, it's going to be possible to have some to make some good judgments about what it is we want to do next. When the next offer comes in, we'll have an idea of what it costs to do this. And I think that the best thing is that if if when one of our one of our projects goes, you know, one of the movies or one of the one of the series goes, we will have a far better idea of how to set this all up. Oh yeah, we will. And and but the lessons and yes, and the lessons that we've learned here will stay with us. We will be studying yeah. this experience and especially that notion that is today's topic, which is the mastermind. <laughs> I don't know if the topic music is going to last, but <laughs> I, I just threw in some topic music. Well, I think, the mastermind. Well, how I, you flow within that school of fish? How you how you run with that with that herd of gazelle? No, there are many different ways of looking at the mastermind, and the mastermind is one version of a number of different concepts or strategies. There is there's mastermind, there's brainstorming, there's mindstorming, there's the parts party, which is internal to a, to a person. Brainstorming requires a group. Mindstorming is just what's happening inside your own head. But the mastermind if, is, is a concept that comes out of Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. And it's in chapter 10, The Power of the Mastermind, The Ninth Step Towards Riches. And this is uh, let me let me read something out of this that power is essential for success in the accumulation of money plans are inert and useless without sufficient power to translate them into action so power may be defined as organized and intelligently directed knowledge power as the term is here used refers to organized effort sufficient to enable an individual to transmute desire into its monetary equivalent organized effort is produced through the coordinated effort of two or more people who work toward a definite end in a spirit of harmony. So this is a critical part of this particular success philosophy, and it is described as the only known way to compensate for a lack of ability to, in other words, create a group of people who have the abilities that you lack. And then right. find a way to bond them together by providing them with a common goal that is in alignment with all their values. Great. You're about to say something, sweet. Well, you know, some of you may have noticed if you watch, you know, some of your favorite television shows that sometimes the scripts are written by the same person or the same two people for the whole season. Those are the kinds of showrunners who are basically auteur showrunners who write their own scripts and don't use writer's rooms. They feel like uh, don't, they don't need a, a, a mastermind to help bolster it. Whereas the vast majority of television is produced by writer's rooms. And you do have to all walk sort of in concert. So for a lot of you who obviously probably might not have been in a writer's room before, you can probably think of ways that you have been in mastermind groups. However, like every couple that is a successful couple is a version of a mastermind group in terms of this household, whether or not you have kids, if you have kids, then, 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 you know, it's just, you've, you've experienced it in the workplace, maybe sometimes successfully, sometimes unsuccessfully, (laughs) You have been a part of a mastermind group, even sometimes when you didn't know it. But what I would like to encourage more people to do is create mastermind groups that they have not created yet that can help you maximize your potential and grow beyond your current level of whatever it is you're doing. And one quick example I'll use is something I would tell my MFA students and something I've told workshop students, writing students for years, is that yes, this degree or this summer workshop is is great and it's fine and you're going to learn from it, but what you're really paying for is your cohort. Mm -hmm. 
and access to your cohort in years to come. Because if you do this right, you are all going to stay in touch. You are going to be exchanging manuscripts and giving each other notes for years to come. I know me personally, that was a big part of what turned me into a professional level writer was one of my college classmates, Rob Vamosi. That's right, Rob Vamosi, who has his own book, another book, a book coming out this year or next year. And I learned early that I needed other eyes on my work to see what I couldn't see. And that's part of the secret Steve and I have had going on all these years. We've had our own little writer's room going on for 23 years. You know, talking about this, whether you're talking about organizing your own mind and heart so that the different aspects of your personality, your beliefs, your emotions are in agreement with your goals and actions and the actions that you need to create your goals to, to bring the world that you're trying to create into existence. You need to, as much as possible, remove conflicting emotions. And that can operate by, you know, there are the entire therapeutic technique of the parts party where you visualize the different aspects of your personality as if they're all at a garden party and you introduce them to each other so they can work things out. That's internal external, the process of creating a mastermind starts by bringing one person, just one person into your life with whom you share your goals and who has their own motivations for helping you achieve your goals in your way. That it could be that they have the exact same goal, or it could be that working with you gets them something that they want, but they're willing to accept your leadership in order to accomplish this thing. And it's critical that this person be totally aligned with you, that they're not fighting against you. And one person who is totally aligned with you is far better than 20 people who are squabbling. So so what was it that Brian said? That he had three people who were his tent poles. They met in a variety of different shows and times, but what seems to be true is that Brian bonded to one of them first. I'm suspecting that was Jim because they worked together. And then the others came on at other times. And that the the trick was that he felt that they were simpatico with him and with Jim in terms of this project. There could very easily have been another project where even though they were simpatico, they weren't right for this that particular project. So they have to be, in other words, you have to feel connected to them. They need to feel like they're moving at your pace, going in your direction with your values and beliefs so that you can work as you know a super mind in that sense. That is very similar to the question of how you develop relationships, romantic relationships. You know, you're looking for someone who shares enough of your values and beliefs that you can move in the same direction at the same rate. The the collection of these people, once he had that tent pole, those three people, that he had four people that he knew he felt totally comfortable with and totally relaxed with, then he could add other people to the equation. And if they didn't work out, he still had his tent poles. So I don't know to what degree modifications were made in the room that would have been different if the energies had been different. I just, I don't know. What I will say is that I'd like to think that that things worked out more or less the way he wanted them to in that sense. What I do know is he felt very positive about the way the room went and that other people in the room felt very positive or expressed being very positive about it. And it's going to take me some time to boil it down and think through it and ask myself, you know, what do I think really happened there? But what seems to have happened was a very positive experience and a very efficient and effective one. More about how exciting it was to work with this think tank and why it worked and how you can create a mastermind in your own life for success right after this message. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. 
It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. And we're back with the Life Writing Podcast, all about masterminds and how you can make yourself bigger than you are by yourself by adding even just one more person to the mix. It's one example, like I said earlier, is in a relationship and it happens in the arts. It happens in, in any kind of field you can think of. We're just not often enough to get all the way across the finish line by ourselves. You know, I think that 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 thing figuring out i mean even in my collaborations with larry niven and, and larry and jerry larry's rule for collaborations was you don't collaborate on anything that you can write by yourself that right. your collaboration should always be projects where the additional person enhances the result i i like that i think that that you can probably say that in terms of, you know, maybe it's they don't have different skills than you have. Maybe they've got more time and energy than you have. That you don't have the time to write eight scripts, ten scripts in the period of time there. But what you can do is find good people, break it all down, then send them off to do the writing while you focus on other things. And you know, people in in writers' rooms and in Hollywood are often working on overlapping projects. That's one of the things that, that really surprised me is all the different projects that people have going at one time and the fact that the writers guild and the various you know legal is that are working with the writers so forth understand this stuff contractually and it's like you know they actually they understand that they don't know in january whether or not the a project that might you know get sold six months later you know, is going to, when it's going to actually require people to put their attention and energy into it. So if you're pitching multiple projects, you don't know when those projects will come due and when your energy is going to be needed. But if you don't do multiple projects, then you end up with these big gaps in time between things happening. And I think you can just starve. So it's, it's confusing because it's not, it's not what I'm used to. But in trying to get used to what it is to play at this level, that seems to be one of the rules. You have multiple projects with multiple different people. They can come do at different times. You don't know when you're pitching it, when you might sell it, when it might go into action. So there is, you know, you have to be kind of loosey goosey about it to a certain degree and let the lawyers and the agents work out the, the, the schedules. And it's really important. This is a lesson from Hollywood that I think is also important in whatever kind of mastermind you're trying to create. We joked in earlier podcasts about the sort of false, what seems like an artificial sense of cheer and camaraderie that that people in Hollywood have. Hey, how are you? Good to see you. I love that I have this. I'm a big fan. Right. Big fans. Super excited. Super excited. This is all in service to keeping everybody in a good mood, keeping everybody happy, keeping everybody enthusiastic so that when the name pops up in your email or in your text message, you're happy to hear from them. You know, like, oh, God, not this jerk again. Not that there aren't plenty of jerk. We've heard some horror stories. But in, in, in most cases, you're trying to keep everyone 
happy and enthusiastic. And, and we had an example, I'm not going to go into details, where we had a little mini mastermind with another company for another project that we were working on a, a pitch for last summer. So this is back to the summer of 2021, where we just now, and now, if you're listening to this later, is March of 20, I'm sorry, no, it was summer 2022. Now it's March of 2023. So it's been almost a year since we've even talked to this group of people. But there had been some movement. We're getting ready to go do a, a pitch to the executives that we created the pitch for. We got on the phone for the first time in all those months. And a lot of ways, it was like nothing had changed. You know, it's like I, I remembered everybody's personalities. It was all lovey-dovey because we're feeling good and we're excited about moving forward. And I was like, huh, so this little mastermind, which has not been activated <laughs> in almost a year, can get right back into motion. Like, you know, right I don't know here. whether... I would argue with you that it isn't as simple as they do this in order to get this effect from people. I think that the effect that they get from the people involved is definitely produced by that energy. But it's like, I forget what it was, that, that success is a matter of going from failure to failure without losing your enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. that, that it's It's not just to bond other people to you. It's for yourself. No, oh, interesting. It's, you know, I it's, it's that an argument as much as an expansion, darling. Well, I wasn't arguing. I was saying that I, I, I look at it differently. Now, if you're mm -hmm. saying that that's actually the same way that you look at it, okay, that's fine. Yeah, well. You know, it's, it's the question of how do you access the creative part of you, which is, to me, very similar to the dream state, the child state, and it's... It, Keeping your energy high. You know, there's also the, the part you're talking about is the sales as a transfer of enthusiasm from one person to another. You're trying to sell people on the idea of coming and being part of this group and, you know, and let's, let's put on a show. But if the person was doing it by themselves, then they have to have the, the parts party aspect of I need excitement, energy in order to shift, in order to act. That, that that's one of the things that is connected with, with changing behaviors, changing beliefs, taking actions, that the energy you feel is that. And I think that when, when they do that, there are, are lots of different things that are happening, including just the sort of mating call, you know, are you on my frequency? You know, would you like to work with me? But that, you know, that's, that's part of, of what you're talking about. It's also the every day there are so many disappointments there mm -hmm. are so many people who say no so many things that won't work out that you raise your energy as high as you can get it partially so that you've got a little energy left over at the end of the day into the week because you're you're expending that's that's the, that's the coin of the realm in a lot of ways when they talk about how they don't you know when my agent told me that they don't hire people for writers rooms over 40 I'm sure part of what they're talking about is the amount of energy it takes to do that every day. Mm -hmm. part of the amount of energy it takes to, to be in any kind of a creative concern over any period of time. It's, it, it has to be a, it has to be like playing a sport. Yeah. And in terms of television and television writing, you can get yourself all ginned up at the beginning of the day. It's like, Oh, I've got a, big pitch. You can make a big pitch today. You spend a lot of time working on it. You've researched it. You unfurl it in the room. And what happens? You get nothing but crickets. Okay. So, ah. and then you have to roll with that, sort of lick your wounds privately and keep paying attention to the flow that is going now in another direction that you didn't want it to go in. It's not the direction you pitched and find your place within that flow and the ability to do that in a healthy context. And I'm going to differentiate between what I mean by healthy and unhealthy. The ability to do that in a healthy context is very, very important in the entertainment industry in television writing and screenwriting to be able to pivot 
to be able to get notes you don't like from the studio, for example, and find a way to either address them and embrace them or come up with something different and better that will get past them. Right. It's, it's that, like you're talking about that, that enthusiasm, like I'm still, okay. I'm a little disappointed that my ideas didn't land. Maybe they didn't understand what I meant, but it's too late now. That train has passed (laughs) and I'm going to jump back on the train and I'm going to figure out how to contribute. Now, what's the difference between healthy and unhealthy? Well, as in a partnership, say, let's say you're in a partnership where you're constantly running into conflict. I believe that partners are mirrors for each other. So it's not always that there's just something terribly wrong with the other person or, you know, and it's like, what do we have? We have balancing issues, ideally, but sometimes you do have a relationship in imbalance and that conflict is happening because that relationship is not healthy. Well, if it's the relationship is in balance, I would expect that relationship to die. Right. You may not like the aspect of balance. You know, sometimes the balance, the the imbalance is that your judgment was crap. Mm -hmm. This person is really manipulative or this, this, and this, and you didn't see it. And you've got to fix it. And if you can't fix it, then you're going to be in real trouble. And it's just going to to drag you down. So get the heck on out of there is what you need to do. It can be like somebody afraid to leave a job only on steroids. You know, it's like, you know, I've got children or I've got, you know, sunk cost investment, you know, whatever it is. I've been here or I can't leave him because he needs me or I can't leave her because I'm addicted to the sex or whatever it is that's going on there. I've always thought that it's best for you to take the position. I made this choice to be here and I've got to, you know, ask if I don't like what's going on here, I have to fix myself. So Mm -hmm. if I leave, I won't just repeat this problem. You know, and if I'm not strong enough to leave, I need to fix something within myself so that I can be self-confident enough to leave. And the same thing is going to be true in a writer's room. They talked about leaving shows where they they felt the show was not healthy, was was not was not good for them, and gave us specific examples of why and how mm-hmm. it was not healthy, not good. To understand that if you don't need. You know, and in in a couple of cases, people were walking away from very, very remunerative positions, a lot of money they were walking away from. So you'd need to have the confidence that you can do that and survive. Otherwise, what happens? You stay in that room and you have a horrible experience. And I think in a lot of cases, people get soured. You know, they have a big mortgage. They have a lot of expenses. They can't leave those rooms and they end up feeling soured about the the creative experience itself without ever taking responsibility. So why didn't you find a better situation or why didn't you create a better situation? And if you kind of say to yourself, because I'm not, I'm not smart and strong enough to do that. Let me see whether or not I can downscale my life so that I can build a life of joy and self-respect without needing, you know, seven figures, you know, or, or whatever it is that, that, that the money is. That's one of the things you're going to have to do in life is to figure out how to live within your ethical self-respecting means. And does that mean that there are not times when you have to stay in a situation that is, that is not optimal? I, everybody's been in those situations well, the trick is, to, is to get out of them as fast as you can. And, and there's a difference between, you know, mild irritation now and then, which is inevitable in most masterminds because everyone is not going to absolutely agree. Right. And toxicity. And I think what, what, when you walk away, it should be because it's sort of a toxic situation. If, If you're growing and learning and reaching beyond your individual capacity within a mastermind, then yeah, it's worth a little extra effort to figure out how can I get along a little bit better with this personality or that personality, or how do I, maybe I need to swallow just a little bit of, of the, of the poison so I can enjoy the fruit. You know, the person who creates the mastermind has, you know, it's that core thing. What is it? It's two or more people working together in a spirit of harmony right. for a unified purpose. That's what a mastermind is. As soon as it becomes unharmonious, it is no longer a mastermind. It's a group of people. 
So understand that that's the definition. That's what it is. So the idea then is to try to create a writer's room that is a mastermind where there is that spirit of harmony working towards a unified purpose. If there's too much dissension in the room, then by definition, you no longer have a mastermind. You have something else. Harmony. Have, oh, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say harmony and disagreement or, or lack of harmony and disagreement do not mean the same thing, right? That's true. Because dis- disagreement is inevitable, Yes. right? That's why a writer's room is hierarchical and it's the showrunner who has the final say. And yes. only the second in command is pretty much allowed to argue back and forth, <laughs> right? Pretty much. So you know, you that- definitely corrected me a few times when I kept a conversation going too long. Is I realized finally that that if if the initial answer, even without understanding, or what I think is understanding, is no, it does not change if you argue. However, when you have a showrunner as smart and as sensitive as Brian, what you'll find is that he was listening, and he remembers, yeah. and he'll come back around to it later on, and it's like, whoa, if he, it, he yeah. really was listening. And that, if that's it's great. valid. Maybe yeah. it wasn't right in the moment, but it'll be right later. But that's all just to circle back to this idea of, of, you know, disharmony. Yeah, if it's not harmonious, it's not a mastermind. But disagreement is also inevitable. When you have more than two humans, you will have two different ideas sometimes. And the harmony comes in how you work out those disagreements. Sometimes it's just hierarchy. So the person who has the kill switch, like with collaboration with us, and as you've had, there's one person who has a kill switch. If they say no, it's no. And you as the other person create harmony by agreeing to go along with the rules that you set out in the first place, right? The next time you might be the one who's in charge and the other person is under you. So if you understand, and this is... You know, it's just a matter of being in the room and trying to figure out the rules and talking to people and so forth and so on. But there is that that sense that you are learning as you go. You're picking this up as you go. And what you have to start with is, you know, the intent to do the best job you can, to learn as fast as you can. And what I did was I used some more abstract principles, specifically Brendan Burchard's High Performance Six. I didn't know what was going to be happening in that room, but I used my own magic formula, the idea of having a map or model in this particular case, Brian, watch Brian, and then watch his tent poles, okay? And then taking action, that's just going there, doing the homework, reading the things, you know, the feeling sense of gratitude to to feel like I am I'm blessed to be in that room. Yeah, we've a, earned our way, but we're also blessed. That's right. That's right. The clear intentions. The intention was to create the best show possible, to learn as much as possible, make connections so that we can see if we want to do this again, we have the the, the door will be open. And then the confidence that we should be doing this. There was never a moment at which either one of us, the, the, to my knowledge, thought we shouldn't be here. We should. No, 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 no. no. We. This was. This was incredible. It was just yes. wonderful. So that man, the magic formula worked for me, you know. And so then I, I also used, like I said, Brashard's high performance six, which are, you know, clarity, energy urgency, productivity, influence, and courage. So it's like the the more I could get those things up in regard to this, the more I felt like I will be ready for whatever happens. And the result has borne it out that every day I could kind of say to myself, I don't know where I am. I don't know what's going on, but I will gain as much clarity as possible on what's going on here. I will raise my energy. So we were exercising and making sure we got enough sleep and yoga in the morning. That's right. Yoga in the mornings, you know, the sense of urgency, that sense that this, this is the moment, this is the time. Don't make the mistake of thinking that this isn't important. No, this is hugely important. Okay. And then productivity, you know, coming up with ideas, you know, and and, and throwing them out there and letting them get shot down so that you can learn what's working and what isn't and influence learning how to speak when to speak so that your your ideas can get 
can not just get a fair shake, but will be, will be as useful as possible. Really land. They're I'm only really going to land at the right time. You can then, have the right current, idea at the wrong time. So confidence is is that last one to to believe, even if you get shot down over and over and over again, to keep picking yourself back up and trying. That is absolutely key. And I'd like to say a special word to my creative folks who are not used to working with other creative people. Maybe you're a prose writer who's used to just writing for yourself. You don't really seek out beta readers even. Certainly you've never collaborated with anyone. The idea is appalling. Um, Filmmakers, you have no choice but to collaborate. So if you're interested in being a filmmaker, you definitely need to learn how to work within a mastermind group. Because whether you're the director, the screenwriter, whoever you are, you are not going to be making that film by yourself in most cases, unless you're literally just taking your iPhone out on a hiking trail like I did once for a short film called Lost that's on YouTube. But other than that, you're going to have a crew. And even then, I had Steve do some voiceover work with me. So it is very important to learn how to work within a mastermind. And if you have any opportunities that come up, that would give you that opportunity. You know, like they say with television writing, sometimes you get an offer for a show you're not interested in. And nine out of 10 television writers will tell you, take that job. What are you talking about? You know, this is like, this is your chance to learn how to be in a writer's room. And you can take that experience with you wherever else you go. As long as it's not a toxic situation, just because it's not your first choice for the kind of show doesn't mean that you shouldn't take that opportunity. And the same would be if you're a part of a writer's group, part of a film crew, just take those opportunities to learn how to work creatively with other people and watch how your influence will grow, how your creativity will grow. Agreed. To take this in a, in the direction that we often take things into at this time. Yes, the, about this time. <laughs> the external group, the external mastermind has to mirror your internal organization. You know, that the the mind storming, the parts party, to make sure that your your emotions and your body and your mind are all aligned to do something. So when every morning you know, the, the morning ritual that I go through, I have several writers, you know, I have Larry Niven that, that I visualize. I have Octavia Butler that I visualize. I give thanks for you. And even though it's in the, in the realm of relationship, you're also a writer and I have Bill Shakespeare. Okay. So during the writer's room, I also often specifically brought in a teacher like, like Brendan Burchard saying, you know, to help me stay at my best. But I also would bring in Brian. You know, I would, I would visualize. In your meditation, you mean, when you say bring it, you mean visually. Yeah, vis- visually. When I'm doing, you know, so, so the morning ritual that we do in fire dance is doing, performing Tai Chi while simultaneously chanting, visualizing, and emotional flooding. So the question of who is it I need to be today in order to get the best out of this situation, I've put some thought into that. Who, who's Whose assistance do I need? What characteristics do I need? When I walk in that room, who do I need to be? What aspect of myself is the most appropriate for this? And to to be willing and able to kind of shape yourself for everything that you're doing that's important. I mean, I have to have one set of skills for communicating with my son, another set of skills for taking care of my body, another set of skills for trying to keep our marriage as healthy as possible, and another set of skills for being in that room. But all of those things are are connected at the fact that they all come out of me, whether it's 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 martial arts things or fitness things or being a father or being a husband or being a writer or being a writer in a writer's room, all those things. At some point, they all connect inside my heart. So the the morning ritual is about clearing yourself and preparing yourself so that you can move into your challenges in life in as dynamic and effective and efficient a manner as possible. Yes, and learn more about that at www.firedancetaichi.com because not only is Steve a fantastic writer and husband and father, but he's also my Tai Chi instructor. He's also... (laughs) black belted in, in, in a million ways and just has so much knowledge about martial arts and balance and life. And I have to thank you, sweetie, because the practices that we engaged in throughout this past six weeks, I really do believe helped me be more successful 
more centered, more balanced, and more energetic. I I think you you are so incredibly welcome, and thank you for letting me give those to you. And I'm hoping that our listeners will check out firedancetaichi.com. I I 100% believe in it. It's a year-long course that will teach you the entire 108 movements of the Wu-style Tai Chi form, but also give you all of the psychological and emotional tools that we use to master to the to the level of our capacity this amazing educational and career experience so we're giving you the exact same tools that we use and i could not be more sincere when i say that i'm i'm begging you give it a try go to www.firedancetaichi.com and get started you know every week you'll get a new lesson you'll learn new moves and I will be talking to you about how to do this thing, how to create your own morning ritual. It doesn't take more than 10 to 20 minutes every morning to literally take care of every basic thing you have to do all day long. And if you're trying to switch it up and change your personality a bit or expand your opportunities a bit by either noticing that you're already in a mastermind and taking that more seriously or literally seeking out a mastermind. I don't think anything prepares you better for that than the kind of work <laughs> that Steve talks about so much in that fire dance Tai Chi course. It's not just about the physical movement. It is about the mental, the emotional and the physical. So it's all three at the same time. It's if you all three at all the same three, time. You're, you're missing major tools. So it's like, if you get an opportunity to do something extraordinary. You want to bring your best. And this is about bringing your best to your life every day. Every single day. And on that note, I think it's about dinner time for us. And we really thank you for listening. We've really enjoyed discussing these experiences with you. And and by the next time you hear us, we will no longer be in our think tank. It will be behind us. It will be an experience in the rear view. But So glad we got to share it with you. And we're hoping that some of the tools we've talked about will help you become the hero or heroine in your own story. The hero in the adventure of your lifetime. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you for being here. You've been listening to the Life Writing Podcast. Join us next time for more conversations about creating the project of your dreams. For more information, go to lifewritingpremium.com and get ready to write for your life.